This is the Read Your Bible Podcast, the daily podcast designed to help you understand and apply the scriptures. Nothing will grow your relationship with Jesus Christ more than studying the Bible for yourself. I'm your host, Drew Tankersley, and for the next few moments, I want to invite you to join me as we dive into God's Word together. We'll ask God to help us see what He wants us to see so that we can be who He wants us to be. One of the most important theologians of the Protestant Reformation was a French pastor named John Calvin. Calvin's massive volumes have done more for the development of Christian thought than anyone since the early church father, Augustine. His magnum opus, for which he is most remembered, is the Institutes of the Christian Religion. Calvin knew the heart of man was desperately wicked, just as the psalmist said. And one adage from Calvin's Institutes is helpful for our understanding of today's reading. He said that man's heart is a perpetual idol factory. Now keep that in mind as we come to 2 Kings chapter 18. I'll be reading the first seven verses today. In the third year of Israel's king Hosea, son of Elah, Hezekiah, son of Ahaz, became king of Judah. He was 25 years old when he became king and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Abai, daughter of Zechariah. He did what was right in the Lord's sight, just as his ancestor David had done. He removed the high places, shattered the sacred pillars, and cut down the Asherah poles. He broke into pieces the bronze snake that Moses made. For until then, the Israelites were burning incense to it. It was called Nehushtan. Hezekiah relied on the Lord God of Israel, and not one of the kings of Judah was like him, either before him or after him. He remained faithful to the Lord and did not turn from following him, but kept the commands the Lord had commanded Moses. The Lord was with him, and wherever he went, he prospered. He rebelled against the king of Assyria and did not serve him. 2 Kings 17 and 18 depict for us a tale of two kings, Hosea and Hezekiah. Hosea ruled in Israel, which is in the northern kingdom, and Hezekiah ruled in Judah, sometimes called the southern kingdom. You'll recall that Israel divided after Solomon because of his and the people's idolatry. Moses and Joshua had warned these nations regarding their sin to stay away from foreign alliances and relations with other nations, as this would lead their heart to worship those gods. As we've seen repeatedly, this pattern is precisely what happened. Many of Solomon himself's marriages were with foreign women who drew his heart away from God, just as Moses had warned. And most of these marriages were the daughters of foreign dignitaries through which Solomon had forged alliances with these nations. That brought peace initially, but eventually incited the judgment of God on his disobedience. These relationships with other countries drew the people's heart into sinful idolatry and syncretism. And since the fracture after Solomon, both nations now had fallen into these tendencies. Both worshipped the gods of the nations around them. Now, whereas Israel in the north gave themselves over entirely to this worship, Judah had periods of fidelity to God 
led by godly kings. Their influence, these kings, stayed the hand of God's judgment on the nation and prolonged his long-suffering because of their periods of repentance. Conversely, Israel never had a good king. Every leader they installed just brought more corruption and consequently more of God's judgment. For this reason, chapter 17 records for us the demise of Israel under the wickedness of King Hosea. According to verse 1, Hosea did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. He worshipped false gods, abandoned the sacrifices, and forsook the covenants made to the kings of Israel. After some time, Hosea was attacked by the Assyrians. Verse 7 tells us why. This disaster happened because the people of Israel sinned against the Lord their God, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and because they worshipped other gods. Now what is so astounding about this is that while they walked in their wickedness of serving other gods, even sacrificing their children to them, they still, at least in form, worshipped the one true God as well. In their mind, they just wanted to add these other gods to their allegiance to Jehovah. Now, this duplicity eventually led to their demise. Chapter 18 begins with the story of Judah's good king, Hezekiah. Both of them, both Israel and Judah, are besieged by the Assyrians after initially seeking alliances with her. But their responses to her aggression belie their allegiances. Before the Assyrian invasion, Hezekiah had removed the high places and forbade the worship of foreign gods. Verse 5 and 6 tell us that Hezekiah relied on the Lord God of Israel. Not one of the kings of Judah was like him, either before him or after him. He remained faithful to the Lord and did not turn from following him, but kept the commands the Lord had commanded Moses. Hezekiah even goes so far as to destroy some golden calves of Judah. He destroyed the bronze serpent that had apparently been idolized for hundreds of years. The serpent, created as a sign of deliverance by Moses in Leviticus, was now revered as an object of worship. And Hezekiah is so bold as to destroy the people's unhealthy adoration of this object of deliverance. Now, because of Hezekiah's devotion to God, verse 6 tells us that the Lord was with him. Now, this is a significant point because by the close of chapter 18, the Assyrians are also breathing threats out among Judah, just like they did Israel. But these are not just empty threats of economic sanctions, but they are real tangible threats of invasion and captivity. You see, for years, Judah had resisted the veritable extortion that Assyria was imposing on them for their ever-escalating tax demands. This refusal to pay incited Assyria's wrath and the destruction of several Judean cities, we learn. As the people quaked with fear in the fortress at Jerusalem, Sennacherib had sent a delegation demanding absolute surrender or they would face the impending invasion for which Judah was not ready militarily. Previous kings had depended on alliances with Egypt and Assyria, and they both had failed. And now Judah faced a similar fate as their brothers in Israel to the north. 
It was clear that Israel's rebellion, wholly ignoring God's warnings through the prophets, while both fearing the Lord and also serving idols, it was clear that all of that led to their disaster. How would Judah fare now with the righteous Hezekiah at the helm of a people whose devotion to God had been spotty and inconsistent, but for the time being seemed sincere? Well, we'll find out about what happens tomorrow, but for now, there are lessons for us to learn from these contrasting kings. Now, when it comes to Israel and the north, there are lessons to be learned here. In our own lives, do we seem to think that our instability will lead to anything other than the inevitable disaster that Israel faced? Here's what I mean. Often, we get so busy doing other things that God becomes a supplement to a schedule of our own idols, the idols that we create within our own factory. We seek to add God to our busy lives. We may not be consciously worshiping these things, but anything we place before God can be an idol. Money, lust, selfishness, even good things like family and wife can become an idol. However, like the Israelites, we often justify our allegiance to these things. But we're stubborn and obstinate, and like the Israelites, calamity waits for us if we continue to walk on this way. Because of Israel's unbelief, the Bible says that the Lord sent lions into the land to devour them. The Bible likens the devil to a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. You know, a lion roars after it's killed, not during it. So the lion weakens us by our allegiances to these things, and our idolatry leaves us as prey for the lion to devour us. We need to remember that anything in our life that exalts itself above God is an idol, and we need to keep it in its proper priority or remove it altogether. Only God should be the king of our life. Now, as we turn our attention from Israel, and their idolatry. Let's think now about Judah, whose on-again, off-again devotion to God has now led them to a seemingly similar fate as Israel. Now we have to remember that just because we're serving the Lord right now, it doesn't mean that our lives will be a bed of roses. This unspoken expectation sets us up for failure from the jump. Hezekiah was a good king, but now Assyria was threatening to invade them. And when we tell people that following Jesus signals the end of their troubles and that everything is going to be great for them now, we set them up for disillusionment when they encounter problems. Following Jesus will be worth it, and there is joy and peace and hope and love, but it is not devoid of difficulty and trouble. And Jesus never promised this. In fact, he said, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. Difficulty often accompanies devotion to God, as it has here with Hezekiah. And though he was doing the right things, he still faced the same fate that Israel had met. The difference is what you do with it, and that's the lesson for tomorrow. But for today, we dare not expect our lives to be all fairy tales and rainbows, not when we've been told to take up crosses and follow Jesus. Following Jesus always involves crosses to bear, but it also promises empty graves. That's the hope. 
of the gospel. So Jesus, keep us near you. Keep our hearts from idols. Help us to recognize those things that begin to grow in our lives and claim our allegiances. May we uproot them. Give us a passion for faithfulness and devotion to you in every area of our life. Reveal for us where the idols are that will hinder us from serving you fully and, and would make us easy prey for the lion to devour us. And may we understand that difficulty will come in following Jesus. And help us to remember the hope that Hezekiah has in this story. And may we turn to you for safety, as he did. In your name, amen. Thanks for joining us today for the Read Your Bible podcast. For show notes to today's episode, please visit readyourbible.info. While you're there, you can listen to past episodes as well as access a host of additional resources designed to help you grow in your faith. It's all there for you at readyourbible.info. That's readyourbible.info. For more information about South Seminole Baptist Church, just go to southseminole.com. Join us again tomorrow as together we help you learn to read your Bible.